Hello and welcome to Working for the Word. I'm your host, Andrew Case, and this is where you get an inside look on the task of Bible translation and the nitty-gritty work that goes on in the background. So today, I want to take a pause or a break on our discussion of the divine name and look a little bit more at the book of Judges. One of the big things that we haven't looked at yet in this book is the translation of the actual word judge, which is among the most important words in the book, obviously. So this is the word shofetim in Hebrew, and it is probably one of the most misunderstood words in our English translations and probably many other translations when we're talking about this book. So, in many places in the Old Testament, the Hebrew root here refers to judging in the legal sense of the term, which is what we always think of in English when we hear the word judge. We think of the legal sense of the term. But in this book, it often has another meaning, since it's closely associated with another key Hebrew root, the root to save, or rescue, or deliver, which puts great emphasis on the saving role of the heroes and heroines. So, commentators believe that in this book, the word judges refers to leaders or chieftains. So, rather than use a judicial term, it would be more appropriate to use words such as hero, or savior, or deliverer. Now, Right here in Judges 2.16, where it appears for the first time in the book, let's read what it says in English. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. So right away, this part, who saved them, it gives their role. It gives a concise statement of what the leaders did for the people of Israel. So judges appeared at times when Israel was under pressure from particular enemies and then came to rescue the people. So the Hebrew verb here rendered saved, yasha, has a broad meaning, including military victory and gaining of freedom. It may be translated rescued or delivered. So with the team I'm working with on this book, well, we just finished it, but with that team... They had just as much trouble as we do as English speakers trying to get our minds wrapped around this word because of the stumbling block of most translations using the word judge, because that immediately connotes in our minds, or as we say in linguistics, in our cognitive environment, it connotes a legal situation. And that's really not what's happening at all if you read the book of Judges. So they struggled with this. At first, they put this literal translation of the legal sense of judge, because that's also what the Spanish translations tend to do because of their background and history and tradition. So we had some long discussions about this, explained to them some of this range of meaning, some of the the contextual things that they needed to consider. And then they went to the community advisors and leaders that are basically approving some of these big decisions about key terms and other things in the translation. So they talked to them about it, and it took a while to get this done because it's such a key word in this book, and people are so used to the tradition 
that they really have to slowly come to this understanding that, you know, maybe you could do better than use this legal term. So finally, they settled on something that in their language is the equivalent of leader. Now, right in the next verse, Judges 2.17, we have another huge issue in translation. At least it was for this team. So let me read it to you in English. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of Yahweh, and they did not do so. So this little part at the beginning, we are so used to it in English, but this part, this statement, for they whored after other gods, or they prostituted themselves to other gods. Now, obviously, this is a figurative expression that appears in other key passages like Deuteronomy 31, 17, where it says, Yahweh said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise up and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Now, if you've read the prophets at all, like Ezekiel and Hosea, you know this is a theme that is going to come up a lot, and so you got to get it right. It describes in graphic terms, very graphic terms, Israel's unfaithfulness to Yahweh. And so, to pack that same punch, you've really got to be creative in your own language if you can't say it exactly the same way that the Hebrew says it. The covenant relationship or alliance with Yahweh is like a marriage vow that depends, that demands the faithfulness of both husband and wife. So when Israel turns away from Yahweh, this is compared to playing the harlot or acting like a prostitute, referring to women who sell their sexual favors in return for a payment. So this is very common in the Old Testament. And translators have to find an appropriate expression that can be used throughout Scripture in a consistent way. Now, as you can imagine, there are a lot of cultures in the world that are very conservative in how they talk about these sorts of things. They have to use a lot of idioms or kind of beat around the bush to say something that scandalous, we'll say. And... Also, a lot of these people are thinking about, we have to read this in church. You know, what are we going to do? Is this really appropriate to say in church? Because so many people come from different traditions or they have delicate sensibilities. And this stuff is going to be hard for them to write out or read publicly. So, they struggled with this on the translation team that I'm helping. Their first attempt basically said, They delivered their whole life to various images. So that whole delivered over their life or gave their whole life to different images was their decision, their first attempt. So we had a long conversation or two about this, and I tried to help them think, okay, in your culture, are there ever women who are known by other people as loose, or do you have prostitution? And how do you speak about it? And 
You know, even if there's, even if it's not formal prostitution, what did the women sitting in the kitchen talk about when they're gossiping about that woman, that woman that everybody knows in the village who sleeps around with other men? So after lots of discussions among themselves, thinking hard about it, for a matter of weeks, and also talking to the community, they finally came to a decision, and they translated the equivalent of saying they did with various images, just as a woman prostitute does with men. I, I kept pushing back at them because, because in Hebrew, as I told them, they could have said it any other way. They could have used a euphemism that wasn't as strong. The writer could have said something like, you know, they gave their whole selves or they totally devoted their lives to these other gods. But it doesn't. It's very specific in its choice to use this strong, strong language. So what's great about the software that we use called Paratext for doing these translations is that we now have a paper trail of the conversation about this key term. And also in the key terms tool, all of the decision should be recorded. And if there's any doubt in the future if we're translating Jeremiah or Ezekiel or any other prophet where this kind of phrase is used, then we can refer back and be like, oh yeah, that's why we decided this or that's what we used to maintain consistency. The other reason it's really important to record these kind of decisions and have a really ordered, organized record is because, for instance, if I can no longer work on this project and another consultant has to pick it up down the road in the future for some reason, then it's really inefficient if he has to ask all of these same questions all over again instead of just look at a record and say, okay, this is where they've gone with this. So in the book of Judges, after checking it, I had 276 notes written. And some of those were extended conversation notes, and some of those were long Skype conversations as well. So we're not going to cover all of these little details in this podcast. So to give you an example of what a little detail would be like, for instance, in Judges 2.23, it says, So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Now, the team just jumped over or, or missed the detail of driving them out quickly, that, that adverb there. And so I just highlighted that, you know, do you, are you guys represented, re representing this, this element in the verse? And uh, told them to look back at the versions. And uh, they said, yeah, we just, we just missed it. And so they, they corrected that. So a lot of these little things aren't quite as interesting for a podcast, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that those are the kinds of things also going on in the background, but not something that we're going to discuss at length. So since we're discussing little nitty-gritty details, in Judges 3.7, there's another example, it says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh. They forgot Yahweh their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. So the question here is, 
Is there a difference between doing what is evil in the sight of Yahweh and sinning? Is there a difference? So, is it okay? Here's a, it's just an open-ended question for you to think about. If the translation team that you're overseeing or helping with says the Israelites did sin in front of Yahweh or before Yahweh, they did sin before him. Or, you know, because there is a word for sin in Hebrew, just like there is a specific word for evil. And the author did choose to say evil here. Now, the translation team first chose to put sin there instead of evil, even though they also have a word for evil. So, I asked them, you know, just out of curiosity, why did you choose to use that word instead of evil? Because I knew they did have that word. So, what would you say? That's, I'll just leave it as an open-ended question. Is there really that much of a difference? Is it worth even highlighting or asking them about food for thought. Anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening. Here at Working for the Word, we believe that the Bible is a unified, God-breathed, God-centered, hope-giving book, sweeter than honey and pointing to Jesus. This podcast exists ultimately to help you treasure the Bible, go deeper into it, and become like the man of Psalm 1. 